Welcome to Question Period for our Countdown to Election Day special. I'm Evan Solomon. Today on the program, is a majority government now impossible for any party? Who has the momentum as the polls open tomorrow? And what were the biggest surprises of the campaign? As one of the tightest election races in Canadian history comes to a head, we dive into the questions facing a country divided. We have got an all-star lineup of guests. Former Liberal Deputy Prime Minister Anne McClellan is here. Former Interim Conservative Leader Rana Ambrose is here. So is the former NDP leader and current CTV political commentator Tom Mulcair. So is the BC Green Party leader Andrew Weaver. We've also got CTV pollster Nick Nanos and CTV's chief news anchor and senior editor Lisa Laflamme joins us. We've got everything you need to know before E-Day on this special election edition. This is Question Period. Let's go get some answers. We need all of you to get out on Monday and demonstrate that Canada is a country focused on the future, focused on fighting climate change, and focused on building a better economy for everyone. So let's choose forward. The end game, the final countdown, pick your cliche, but in this wild, divisive, unpredictable election, it will not sum up the last biblical 40 days and 40 nights. The race, even now, is wide open, so today we're breaking it all down. We're going to start with what happened to Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party in this last 40 days. After the bubbly rise to a majority government back in 2015, he won 184 seats. He's now down to 177. The Liberals are suddenly in danger of seeing the red tide get washed out. Polls are showing them well below the 170 seats needed to keep their majority. So what happened to Trudeau Mania 2.0? Does he still have a path to victory? To find out, we have a special scrum today in a special place. Laura Stone is a reporter with the Globe and Mail. Great to see you back. Lisa Laflamme is our chief anchor and senior editor of, C of CTV National News. Great to see you, Lisa. We've got, I don't know if you know this guy, CTV's <laughs> chief political commentator. And uh, Craig Oliver, of course, with his patented wave. And our special guest this round is the former Deputy Prime Minister, Anne McClelland, who will join us on election night as well. Great to see you. Great to All see right, you. Uh, Anne, let me, let me just start with you. Um, yes. He has, <laughs> well, listen, the polls don't sh show that there's a, there's a kind of very slim chance of a majority, but it looks like there's no majority in sight. What happened to Trudeau Mania 2015? Well, we were in power for four years. And when you govern and you're dealing with the tough issues, both domestically and internationally, every day, um, it's, it's hard. I, I was in government for 12 and a half years with Mr. Cretchen and Mr. Martin. Um, you, you deal with the tough issues and uh, you attract a certain number of critics. And uh, therefore, you know, if you want to call it Trudeau mania, uh, tr Mr. Trudeau is now generally pretty well known in the country. He was a new commodity, yeah. quite honestly, back in 2015. Everybody knows him now, and he has worked hard, he has grown in the job, uh, but... Uh, I would say he's, he's a better and more thoughtful leader and politician today than he was in 2015. Well, that, I don't know, Lisa, does it... He's been really marred by, look, we got it, the SNC scandal, the blackface scandal, China. the bro China, the broken promises on deficit. I mean, the opposition have highlighted that, you know, this the quote, not as advertised. You've spoken to him. What's your sense of how he's done? Well, honestly, my sense is, and I always am sort of interpreting what people tell me, voters tell me, and the one thing so many people right across the country have said is 
it's all talking points. This entire campaign, and not just Justin Trudeau, we've heard it from Andrew Scheer as well, and to some degree Jagmeet Singh, but honestly, trying to get an actual answer on a real issue, a real question, has been just falling into talking points. And I've sort of thought through the whole thing, if one of these candidates just answered a question right. as asked, maybe people would respond to that instead of what seems so scripted. And I think one of the things, to Anne's point, Justin Trudeau was very, um, you know, we know he's a great retail politician. We saw it in 2015. Right. This time around, we see him with the crowds, but the minute the question and answer start or the podium speech, it's just very um, scripted. Yeah, canned. it's very canned. And people we're, recognize we're, that. We've all spent a lot of time trying to understand what is the ballot question in this campaign. I really think that the ballot question is, is Trudeau and whether or not Canadians are willing to forgive his sins uh, and omissions uh, and, and elect him again or whether to take a chance on the Conservatives. I really think that's what this election has come down to. And when I say Trudeau, I, th I include all of the side, the issues on which I think many people feel that he's been on the right side of them and the way he has taken his flag into the 21st century mm. and maybe other guys didn't. So it's leadership, a, you're saying leadership. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's interesting, Laura, because there's a, actually Trudeau's running an ad saying the Conservatives want this to be about me, right. and they do want it to be a referendum on Trudeau. And Nick Nanos likes to say when it's a referendum about you, you're in trouble. Well, that's because this is not an issues-based campaign. They're coming into this campaign with the economy doing pretty well. NAFTA has pretty much been resolved. Even the issue of climate change doesn't seem to be the ballot box defining issue. This is all about Justin Trudeau, and he is coming in as a much more flawed leader than he did in 2015. That's because, as Anne said, he has baggage now, but he comes in under the cloud of SNC, his relationship with, the, with Indigenous right. communities, his relationship with the business community. And then, of course, we had the blackface controversy blow up in the middle of this campaign. This is all about what kind of leader you want to run the country, and Trudeau is the central question in that. You know that you're nearing the end of a campaign when the Liberals start saying, you got to vote for us. Don't split the progressive vote. Don't vote for the right. or for the others, or you're going to split the vote and you're going to elect conservatives, which I kind of call. Craig, we've their... always said that. Yes, I've you have. Been politics but... for 12 and a half years. We always made that <laughs> argument about voting strategically. There's absolutely nothing new in that, and it is absolutely common no. sense. And we would be crazy if we weren't saying. Uh, but isn't, but you isn't know what the it wild is? card, though? Isn't the wild card to that point is? Jagmeet Singh, and I think he exceeded everybody's expectations throughout the campaign. And now the question is whether people are going to follow the strategic voting concept right. or they're mm -hmm. just going right. to vote their heart. And did he inoculate himself, Jagmeet Singh? And we'll get to that as well, against that strategic vote. But just, Anne, real quick. The economy's cooking. He's, this yes. guy should be doing we well. Yeah. But did he? Okay, jobs. but I get the talking point. It's <laughs> not a talking point. It's a fact. Sometimes did you just they, have to deal with reality, did, Evan. Did they underplay their economic card? Because they're, I think Laura's right. They were all over the map. It wasn't about climate. Was it about the economy? Was it about going forward? Was it, was it about, about fear? The middle what was class. it? It was about and the those middle working class. hard to yeah. join it. And uh, drink. But, <laughs> but look. Um, I guess I would say that we have a, a, one of the best uh, stories to tell in terms of the economy over these past four years. You know, a, a million jobs, 300,000 kids uh, out of poverty, uh, the debt on a permanent downward track. Uh, 
we've got a good story to tell and I would agree that I think that story did not come out as clearly as it should have and part right. of the reason it didn't and we've all talked about this is that in spite of a million jobs a large number of people in the middle class still have this sense of lack of stability, uncertainty, that somehow if they lose their job, they, they're one month or one right. week away from a financial challenge in their family. And that's why we focused on the middle class and the things we've put in the okay. platform. Laura, I wanted Look, to pick I think up. the problem for the Liberals is they have made the past four years all about Justin Trudeau. He was mm -hmm. the savior of the Liberal Party, brought you back from the brink, well, and now in he is now his character is under a microscope mm -hmm. and, and and there are a lot more problems with who Justin Trudeau is now than there was in the 2015 campaign about the conservatives have continually called him out as you know maybe too harshly a fake or a fraud but, oh, certainly, a hip, but certainly a hypocrite on on several issues uh, you know including look at what happened to, to Jody Wilson-Raybould and the right. the whole indigenous can I just say one thing governing is hard right and you will develop yeah, but, but, warts and imperfections. But, Governing and is I hard. I, I agree with that, but I think the opposition's criticism is that for Justin Trudeau, breaking promises started to look easy on things like the deficit. And that was his Achilles heel. Craig. Well, you know, in, we've all, often, many of us, comparing this to 1972. And the same thing has happened in the sense that Trudeau has become the Liberal Party. The party itself has shriveled up. I talked to old liberals who are many of them will be happy to see Trudeau lose if he does. Uh, you know, like his father before him, he has become the party and the campaign. And that's why I we're seeing this... I am one of those old liberals, Craig. Uh, well, yeah, and well, I would not be happy to see But there are more of you who are out there. Lose. You know, well, he cut too Justin many people... I think Trudeau is an important part he, of the future of our party. He cut too many experienced people loose. All right. Uh, so I, we I, wouldn't let in the, well, in the door, and he could have used them when he got in trouble. That's what I love about election I'm, I'm getting so excited. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be great. Tomorrow night, tomorrow night, this is the kind of stuff right. we're going to really be able to delve into. which is going to be great. But I've got to leave it there. Of course, the last couple days of a campaign are absolutely critical. It's called the close. Yep. And we'll figure out who actually makes it in the close. And we'll see you tomorrow night. Yep. And McCollum, thanks We're for joining us. We're closing strong. Can I just say that, Evan? <laughs> We're closing strong. See, this is, this is what we call last-minute messaging. Coming up, <laughs> Shear's blue battle. Can Andrew Shear find a path to victory and take out a majority liberal government? Coming up next, we break down the Shear and what he hopes for tomorrow night with special guest, former in, um, interim conservative leader, Ronna Ambrose. Stay right here with Question Period. Join the millions of Canadians who are already voting Conservative because they're voting for a brighter future, for a closer, more united country where no ambition is too bold, where no goal is out of reach and no project is too big. He started the campaign casting himself as the dimpled dad next door, but over the last 40 days, Andrew Shear has revealed a tougher, angrier side, repeatedly calling Justin Trudeau corrupt lashing out at the potential of a progressive coalition, all the while promising to bring back the Harper-era tax cuts and tax credits. But why hasn't Andrew Scheer been able to break out of the five-week deadlock? 
uh, one that so far will not hand him or Mr. Trudeau a majority government. What is Andrew Scheer's biggest challenge tomorrow night? Let's bring back the scrum and find out. Laura Stone is back. Lisa LaFlamme is back. Craig Oliver is back. Our special guest this round is former interim conservative leader, Ronna Ambrose. All right, everyone, welcome back. And, Ronna, great you. to see you. You too. Uh, what's the deal? Why can't Mr. Scheer break out of that uh, 32 33% um, glass ceiling? Well, I think the question is why can't either of the leaders break out um, so it's not just Justin Trudeau, or it's not just Andrew Scheer, it's Justin Trudeau as well. And that's a question, I think, on everyone's mind. Who's the best person to lead the country? But to be frank, 32%, if, if Andrew Scheer can get our solid base of Conservative voters out, I think that's a huge win for the Conservatives. The Conservatives have an, a, a fantastically sophisticated ground game. And if they can get their, their solid vote out, that's a huge amount of people out to the ballot box. And I think... You know, we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow, but I do think that, you know, he has had a good, solid message around affordability, whether it's scrapping the carbon tax. I mean, these, as you say, Harper, are tax cuts, but they continue to be tax cuts that resonate with regular working people. You know, scrapping yeah. the GST on home heating, these, these basic, I think, things and policies that people are looking for. I mean, this speaks to conservative voters, but it also speaks to... Just regular people across the country that are looking to make their lives more affordable. Uh, Lisa, you followed him as well. Uh, look, he, he four months ago, no one gave him a shot. He could be the prime minister tomorrow night. He's raised a lot of money, so he's yeah. run a, a very well-organized campaign. What's your take on how Mr. Scheer has approached Election Day? Well, I think to Rana's point, you know, you're talking about the economy and the, the points he did try to make. But having just been in Alberta, one thing that was remarkable to me is these are obviously conservative voters, and even they really consistently were questioning him as the leader. And I found that really interesting that, yes, we're going to vote conservative because that's what we've always done, but there were a lot of people who weren't sure about him. Mm -hmm. So how did he do on the campaign? I think he found his stride. I think at times it was... Um, more aggressive than I think anybody expected from him. There was right out of the gate on debate night, there was the accusation, you're a fraud and a phony. And I, I don't know, I, I guess I've questioned through this whole thing the, the, um, the lack of respect across the board, all political stripes, one to the other, it seems to have just disappeared. Yeah, he, you know, I, I don't think he's a natural politician. There are a lot of people who've succeeded in politics uh, without being a natural politician. But it was hard to get a sense of the man, to know what he really represented, what he really believed in his heart. And, and I think this really uh, affected his campaign very badly on some issues, the social conservative issues we all know about, uh, which I think got him in a lot of trouble. He couldn't really seem to explain himself. And in particular on climate, uh, which is a, an important issue to so many Canadians. He just didn't seem to be able to make it uh, in terms of getting the message out there and letting us feel that yeah. this is something he be really believed in his heart. Uh, you know, he talked a lot, Laura, about moral authority. Justin Trudeau does not have the moral authority. And yet, did he lose his own sense of moral authority? You know, Justin Trudeau had the blackface 
then, and a lot of issues that we've spoken about. But then Andrew Scheer, was he an insurance broker? He fibbed about his resume. Then he, he wasn't straight about, as Craig talks about, whether he was pro-life, LGBTQ Dual issues. Dual citizenship. Dual citizenship. So all of a sudden, everyone. did his own moral authority get undermined? Well, I think the Conservatives had a very appealing message around affordability that did resonate in key areas in Vancouver and the Toronto area. But the central question of who is Andrew Scheer, I don't know was ever answered. And there were, as you point out, Evan, these series of unforced errors on the part of Scheer and his team. Why not come out and talk about your, your views on abortion when you're first asked about it unless, instead of letting it drag out for weeks during the campaign? Why did you let your dual citizenship uh, go on for so long right. without ever talking mm -hmm. about it? Nobody a asked. And your answer is nobody Honestly, asked. That was a so I, I do think I do think he should have been more upfront with people about who he is from the start of the campaign. Rona. I think we have to put this into perspective. I mean, I I mean, I left the House of Commons as the leader of the opposition a little over two years ago. In two years, Andrew Scheer, who no one even knew who he was before that, other than those of us who pay attention to the Speaker of the House. He comes in within two years, and he's going to get more than likely, I would assure you, every Conservative out in this country to vote, which is impressive. So they right. know him, they trust him. He's raised huge amounts of money, vastly more money than any other party, for a war chest to fight the election. And he's now potentially going to be Prime Minister, maybe under minority government. But to do all that in two years against an opponent who was literally an icon, a global icon of the progressive movement around the world. I mean, I think he has achieved quite right. a bit in a very short period of time. And let's also put into perspective this election. It was very short, you know, and, the, and, the, and Justin Trudeau, to his credit, was smart strategically to not engage in hardly any debates, if any, I mean two, one, one in English, two in Three. French. Yeah, yeah, right. And so really Canadians didn't get a chance to get a good look at Andrew Scheer, but I think where we sit in the polls today, I think it's, a, it's an accomplishment for someone who has right. really only been on the on. This, uh, the national stage for two years. And the close is really important in a campaign, Lisa. Mm -hmm. and, and suddenly Andrew Shear's got himself in a pickle in the he close sure because there's a story from the, in the Globe and Mail that uh, his, the Conservatives had hired Warren Kinsella, actually a former Liberal, uh, to dig up, not just to dig up dirt on Maxime Bernier, but the letters show seek and destroy mm -hmm. before uh, and to create phony Twitter accounts that would show that he's a racist. And by the way, Bernier's filed a complaint against Elections Canada. Does that mar the clothes for Andrew Absolutely. Scheer? I was watching that press conference yesterday or the reporters grilling Andrew Scheer asking time and time and time mm -hmm. again, did you do this? And his answer was the same every single time, which was a non-denial, basically. And I think two things happen as a result of that story out of the Globe and Mail. Uh, one, I do think it damages Andrew Scheer, but also if uh, Maxime Bernier was in trouble in his boast writing, um, this may have helped him. Yeah, you're right, Craig. Uh, well, this has been a mean, dispiriting kind of a campaign all along, but never worse than that. And one can only hope that it wasn't inspired by what the Russians did to the Democrats in the United States by setting up a secret third-party operation 
to try to destroy somebody they were obviously far more worried about than any of us thought well, they needed to that's be. That's a really good point. Does it tell us that the Conservatives were more worried about uh, Maxime Bernier and the People's mm -hmm. Party or than they were about the Liberals? Right, and in the end, it, the polls haven't shown that was a huge concern. Laura? I, I think overall the negativity and cynicism of this campaign is really off-putting to voters, and I think you see that reflected in the polls. It's why the Liberals and the Conservatives have essentially been neck and neck this entire time, and voters appear to be looking at other parties, mm -hmm. such as the Bloc and the NDP, because they're just not satisfied with the two main choices. All right, uh, we got we got to leave it there for Andrew Shear. He's got to do better in Ontario than the polls say right now. So we're all watching how they do in Ontario because we know Ronnie's going to do real well out west, and then we'll see how they fight it out in BC and Quebec. But boy, this is going to be a great campaign, and we will see you tomorrow night, of course, with Lisa and the rest of the gang right back here. All right, coming up next on our show, though, pollster Nick Nanos joins us to break down all this debate about minority, who gets to govern, and the NDP. Surprise surge. Can Jugmeet Singh translate charm into seats? We'll do that next with special guest, former NDP leader Tom Mulcair. Stay right here with Question Period. You can choose in this election to have someone that's going to fight for you, that someone's going to stand up for you. And in this election, I want to be clear I'm running to be your Prime Minister because I want to make a difference in the lives of Canadians. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh dismissed as sliding into irrelevance before the campaign began. Now he's been, I don't know, the most improved player in this election. But will he be able to turn charm into seats, especially in Quebec, where the bloc appears to be on the brink of a major resurgence? Will the NDP be wiped out in La Belle Provence? Let's bring back the scrum and talk about that. Laura Stone, Craig Oliver is ba are both back and joining us for this round. CTV's Truth Tracker. Richard Madden, that's a nice title, Rich, I like that. And our special <laughs> guest is former NDP leader and current CTV political commentator, Tom Mulcair. Great to have everybody back. And Tom, let, give us your sense of the, the NDP. I mean, man, they were, he was on the side of a milk box, you know, 45 days ago, but he's had a heck of a campaign. Yes, actually people within the NDP were concerned they might actually lose party status. Now everybody is so thrilled at the campaign that Jagmeet Singh has run. He's connected with Canadians. He's connected with Quebecers. They were in single digits at the start of the campaign in Quebec. Now they're pushing close to 20 percent. But they're worried because the bloc is resurgent in a lot of the areas they had hoped to hold on to their seats. It's going to be a very tough fight. They had 16 seats in the last election in 2015. They'll be lucky to come out of here with a handful. A handful, meaning two, in Quebec. in Quebec. Okay, so they're going to have to, if they want to do well, they're going to have to look for seats elsewhere. What's your take on the, the Jagmeet well, Singh campaign? Well, I, I think that his secret weapon, which many of us were, were reluctant to do with uh, because we were concerned about being insensitive, was his turban. It connected in so many ways uh, and touched so many of the issues in this whole campaign. So go to the Atwater Market in Montreal. Uh, a gentleman who I think was more ignorant than racist, uh, came up to him and said, get rid of that turban and you'll be more like a Canadian. His answer was so generous, I think it touched the whole country. So there was an authenticity there about him. After we had the other two leaders looking more and more like automatons spouting message track all the time, people said, this guy is okay. He's there, he's open, he's transparent, and we like him. Yeah. And, that, and they never went back on that. And that guy in the Atwater market may be as ignorant as he was racist. I don't know what the line is there. Rich, what do you, what do you yeah. make of that campaign? I think it really came down to when people are looking for character, that's where Jagmeet Singh really shone. 
a lot of Canadians know who Justin Trudeau is. A lot of people were still making up their mind with Andrew Scheer, but that I think is where Singh really shone was with the way he was able to make himself portray himself as genuine and he had his character so I, I think that is really what has propelled him to where he is today because the NDP's policies weren't really taken seriously throughout the campaign yeah talk about that Laura because he was promoting a lot of real policies that we'd heard before from the NDP you know universal pharmacare but you know his platform was roundly criticized for being kind of fantasy land not adding up and yet He's had a pretty good campaign. Well, I think that's because expectations were so low for Jagmeet Singh, and he has won the authenticity campaign throughout this election. I think a lot of disaffected progressives who maybe were thinking, I'll vote for the Green Party this time, I'm sick of Justin Trudeau, I'm disappointed in what the Liberal government has done over the past four years, are now looking to the NDP. And I think that's why we're seeing the rise in the, in the polls for this party as we head into the final days. But I mean, is this the most Canadian victory, Tom? I mean, here's, we're talking about a guy, oh, he had a great campaign, but he, he He's going to have a struggle getting back to 39 seats where they are right now. He's going to lose, as you say, a lot of Quebec at one point. There's 59 NDP seats there. They could go down to a tiny rump. Uh, how do you declare victory if that happens? Well, the victory is, of course, coming back from the dead. The party was so low in the polls at the beginning. Again, they were actually concerned about losing party status, and that only required 10, 12 seats. So now they know that they're going to get a lot more than that. Party status is assured, and he's begun talking openly and cleverly about coalition. And was that smart? It was smart, and his advisors didn't like it, but it was right. his idea, and then he went back to it, and he's doing something. He's making himself basically immune to the inevitable siren song of the Liberals to say, strategic voting time, we're sorry we didn't keep a lot of our promises, but now there's danger because the Conservatives are at the gate. You have to come back and vote for the Liberals. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Singh is saying, I'm more than willing to take my MPs and work with the Liberals. I will never work with Scheer. And that was another great move because he was able to attack Elizabeth May because she said she would work with Scheer under certain you know, conditions. I, th I think also we, we shouldn't forget <clears throat> that he was talking policy that appealed to an awful lot of people. Forget the cost for the moment. Nobody in this campaign seems to be worried about costs, so <laughs> give him a break for that reason at least. Never mind the deficit, never mind the debt. The fact is that we can use pharmacare as a country. We should have it. We can use dental care as a country. Lots of other countries can afford it. We can afford it. Many of his policies really appealed to a segment of the population that said, yeah, to these kind of ideas. Well, Jagmeet Singh's power comes from the fact that the other two guys aren't doing so great either. It's Balance not like of power. It, 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 great, right? It's not like you know the Liberals are surging in the polls, and so you know a vote for the NDP is a wasted vote. This could actually matter in a minority government situation. Mm -hmm. No, the question is, Jagmeet Singh is big on TikTok. Is he going to be big at the polls? Can they actually get people to show right. up and vote? And it's going to be difficult for that party because they don't have as much money and resources as the two lead parties. But, but we'll on this, though, Evan, is that one thing that Singh, he managed to be in a perfect spot when the whole issue of brownface or blackface against Justin Trudeau resurfaced. Canadians had a frank discussion briefly about race, and the way Singh handled that mm -hmm. uh, really gave him a lot of accolades. It was very classy. Yeah. He didn't 
go all emotional. He just said, look, you have to understand what this means to a young person of color, how they're receiving this. And he explained things. And I think a lot of Canadians really appreciated his tone as he dealt with it. Let's talk about what he might be, Craig. If there is a minority situation, I don't want to get too far into speculation, but that's where the polls are now. Sure. This has animated his relevance because a balance of power Absolutely. puts the NDP very much in a critical position. What does that do? How does that recalibrate what the NDP might do in the future? Well, he, he's assured of hanging on to this job, if, right. if, if that's what you're talking about. And in terms of policy, remember that Jack Layton got billions out of Paul Martin, yeah. which, uh, especially for subsidized housing, uh, I think that he can achieve a lot in, uh, if, if we're at the point where he does hold the balance of power, although some of us might worry about whether it's on the block, who knows? Uh, that's possible. But, you, I mean, look, uh, you go back to minority governments, uh, Lester B. Pearson, Tommy Douglas, or David Lewis, the NDP in a balance of power, Tom, makes a difference. It's interesting because it was with Pierre Trudeau on his That's second right. try. He mm -hmm. went minority. David Lewis made a deal with him that gave us things like Petro-Canada, you know, investing in ourselves. And so it is a possibility that the NDP is looking at, and I think that Jagmeet Singh has given just the right attention to this coalition idea. He's not overplaying his hand. And as people go to the polls on Monday, that's got to be at the back of their minds because the Liberals did disappoint, as Laura was saying, on a lot of key issues, climate change, subsidies to oil companies. Right democratic reform. So people are saying, well, if we have somebody to hold their feet to the fire, maybe they'll actually do the things that they've talked about this time. All right. Uh, well, i got to leave it there. That's going to be fascinating. Does the NDP translate that charm into seats? Can they hit that 39? Uh, it's going to be fascinating. All right, Tom, thanks so much to Tom. Okay, we're going to see Tom on CTV Monday night, the special. He'll be at this desk again. But coming up next, the battle for B.C. and the Green Wildcard. B.C. Green Party leader Andrew Weaver will join us to talk about how the West may determine the outcome of election night. It is going to be a late, fun night. Stay right here. We're running strong campaigns in places where no one would have ever expected to see a Green Party lawn sign, so I'm, I'm excited. Well, the green wave once threatened to become a political tsunami at the beginning of the election campaign, swamping the NDP went the narrative, but has it all been a false alarm? How much can the Greens actually grow? All parties are watching B.C., where there are four-way splits all over the place in different ridings. Could that province finally decide who's the next government? And what should you be watching for? Let's bring back the scrum to find out. Laura Stone is back. Craig Oliver is back. Richard Madden is back. Our special guest for this round is B.C. Green Party leader. Andrew Weaver, he joins us from Victoria. He also happens to hold the balance of power, and we'll get into that. Mr. Weaver, let me just start with you, and I just want to say on behalf of all of us, we know you've had a health scare, and you're going to eventually oh, yeah. pass the torch to a new leader. We're glad to see yeah. you back on the program and healthy, but give us your sense of what you're seeing in British Columbia, especially, or, or across the country for the Green Party. Well, I... I um, um have a lot of information and uh, feel quite comfortable in commenting on Vancouver Island, where I, it's, it's no longer an oddity to vote Green. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Greens pick up quite a number of seats in this area. Look, there's a very strong candidate, David Murner, who ran for the federal Liberals, running against Randall Garrison. Uh, race, uh, Russell Coy is running against Laurel Collins, a, 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 a city councillor who, after only three months in council, decided she was going to jump the ship and run fe uh, federally. And so there's a lot of backlash against that. Uh, you can see also by the NDP ground game 
here. Uh, clearly, it's being run out of Ottawa and not realizing how, how uh, people in, in this southern Vancouver Island react. It's a very negative campaign, and people react mm -hmm. against that. If you look at the signs, uh, if signs matter, uh, the Greens are basically won all the signs uh, from mm -hmm. Cowichan Valley South and also in Nanaimo. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a number of seats picked up here at the expense of the NDP. And I think you do have to wonder about whether or not the Liberals can hang on to everything they've had there in the past. Uh, they paid a very high price for a high-priced pipeline. That alienated an awful lot of uh, environmentalists in that province. Uh, but not only that, I mean, SNC-Lavalin, as we all know, had special relevance in, in British Columbia. I think the Liberals may, may lose some seats there. And you wonder about the career. How is Elizabeth May? She had a big wave at the beginning and seems to have overtaken yeah. a bit by Jagmeet Singh. Yeah, I think, I think Elizabeth May has struggled somewhat under the scrutiny of a major campaign. This is the big leagues now. And she has struggled, I think, in, in some circumstances to get her message across. I mean, at one point in the campaign, she was talking about Quebec sovereignty. You know, she's kind of been <clears> off <throat> the map. I think if they had stuck to their main primary issue, which has always been climate change, um, they, they may have had a better shot at sweeping the NDP as the progressive alternative. But we've seen her and the party kind of go all over the map, and I'm not sure that that has resonated in the way that they'd hoped for. The way the right. Green Party is constructed, it seemed to have a great deal of difficulty turning itself into a national party, uh, a, a national movement. They, they really grew up as, as provincial entities, and it's been, I think, pretty much impossible for Elizabeth to build a national that, campaign, at least this time. Laura, that may not be critical. If, if look, if, if Andrew Weaver's right and they pick up three, four seats on the island, they've got two right now, they go to four mm. or five, heck, if we're in a minority position, Elizabeth may, may play a role as a balance of power. Is that enough to call it a successful campaign for the Greens? I think so. I mean, first, let's appreciate the, the sentence, balance of responsibility. I, right. I really like that. I think certainly in a minority situation, we don't know how many seats the NDP are going to pick up. If they're even going to retain what they have, they're going to struggle in Quebec. We know that. So, yes, I think if Elizabeth May is able to even pick up a handful of seats, you know, she could have influence, especially if, if the Liberals or if the Conservatives form the minority and they need their support, they could have a lot of influence yeah. on, on, on the government. The question is, you know, in a Conservative minority, who could actually support that party? Could Elizabeth May support an Andrew Scheer government? The question. And, and if it's yeah. and rich, if it's a minority Liberal government and the NDP and the Greens may have a balance of power, do they squeeze Justin Trudeau on the Trans Mountain Pipeline? That becomes a big issue. Uh, it's not just pipelines. The fact of anything really getting done of great national importance really becomes a challenge. If you have the Greens, you have the NDP and the Liberals all fighting for that same spectrum on that progressive side. There's also a question about whether Elizabeth May will be around to lead the party any further. Remember, last time she wanted to quit, felt she couldn't find anybody she was satisfied with to be to lead the party. She said a number of times she's tried to find people. The suggestion is she won't stay beyond this campaign for very long. As the leader, although she says she'll stay on. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Weaver, look, all over Canada, there's this boogeyman of coalitions, which are pretty rare, or arrangements. <laughs> Who holds the balance of power? You're in it. You guys are in the balance of responsibility, the balance of power, whatever term yeah. you want. Uh, what do you make of all this fear-mongering about minority governments and who's got the seats and who can control the government? 
Well, I, I think you'll see, if you look to British Columbia, it's now been two and a half uh, years, well, so almost three years. Uh, this minority will go the full length. Uh, we have a very respectful, good working relationship. Uh, uh, John Horgan and I have become quite good friends. And, and uh, you know, honestly, uh, I think it's better governance. I think if you talk to, to, to Mr. Horgan, our premier, uh, he would say that their governing is better because we're there. And I would argue that, uh, you know, we've played a, a tempering role in some of the more, um, you know, dr uh, dramatic policies, for example, that, you know, often people get elected based on a base supporting you, and some of those policies are, are perhaps not really palatable to broader uh, constituents, and in fact, so we've been able to temper some of those, and, and it, it's worked really well. So I think we mo we're modeling the success, and, and frankly, I think it's irresponsible for people to say prior to the election result they're not willing to work with anybody because you know you are elected to work with everybody and if you're if you're taking the position that you should not work with somebody then really um, you shouldn't be running because that is why we're elected to represent the constituents and work with whoever is in the parliament all right i'll leave this last word to craig oliver who's a bc boy does bc finally get a chance to decide this election craig are we in it for a late night i don't think so uh, <laughs> i think there's a there's growing support for the uh, liberal party they have a, probably a decent chance of uh, getting a solid minority but we'll find out i might be wrong Gosh. i doubt it i wish it i don't it know frustrates if... british columbians <laughs> all right gotta leave it there green party leader andrew weaver appreciate you joining us and richard madden thanks so much as well and rich we'll see you back here on this set on monday night on the election special but coming up what to expect tomorrow night as the votes finally roll in and if no one wins a majority who will get to form the government pollster nick nanos and ctv's chief news anchor and senior editor lisa laflamme join us next stay right here with question period I am focused on uh, forming a government of progressive Canadians, uh, including a strong number of Quebecers, who will fight for the investments that Canadians need. The party that wins the most seats should be able to form the government. And the other convention in modern Canadian uh, politics is that a prime minister who enters into an election and comes out of that election with fewer seats than another party resigns. We will fight in whatever form the government takes whatever power the people give us to make sure we deliver on the things that people need. The clearest and best result from this election will be if we avoid a false majority for either the Liberals or the Conservatives to force them to have to listen and to work with some of the parties in the House of Commons. That's it. E-Day minus one. There's the <laughs> final messages. Five weeks of furious campaigning. It is still too close to call. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau, conservative leader Andrew Scheer, they're locked in a knife fight in a phone booth. The NDP are gaining ground. But does that translate into seats? Did anyone see the rise of the Bloc Quebecois coming? Who could end up holding the balance of power? Lots of questions. Let's bring back the scrum to dig into the latest numbers. Laura Stone is back. Lisa Laflamme is back. Craig Oliver is back. And our special guest this round is CTV pollster, president and CEO of Nanos Research, Nick Nanos. Great to see you, Nick. All right. <laughs> Where are we right now on the day before? Minority fever has gripped the nation in the latest Nanos Globe CTV tracking. We have the Conservatives at 32, Liberals at 31, basically locked in a dead heat as of the polling that was completed last night. No one has the upper hand when it comes to so the So what are you watching? Ballot. Go on, forget the national numbers for a second. We know that. They've been frozen in amber. Underneath, what are you watching? So what I'm watching is a number of things. First of all, preferred Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has a five-point advantage, which is good news for him. 
The bad news is that when we look in some of these regional races, like the Bloc, the Bloc is on the rise in Quebec where they're statistically tied with the Liberals, so that's bad news for Justin Trudeau. The NDP are on the rise in British Columbia. It's a three-way race in British Columbia right now, which means it's an absolute coin toss. And the 905, the Liberals are doing well, but it's still possible for the Conservatives to pick up some of those seats. Wow. So what I hear you saying basically is that tomorrow night really isn't the end game. This fight is going to go right onto the floor of Parliament over who gets to run a minority government and all those issues we've talked about uh, after the election's over. Well, we'll see because of the, the spread, who's got the plurality by how much will determine how nasty that fight is. Lisa, you watch this campaign, you've interviewed everyone. What's been the biggest surprise and what are you looking for tomorrow night? Uh, well, I'll be watching certainly the block. I mean, yeah. I think that just popped up out of nowhere. I don't know what it means, whether the separatist movement is alive and well. Certainly at the party was dead and it is not dead any longer. I'll be watching for whether or not this resurgence of the NDP matters. It seems to be completely leader-based, um, whether or not it resonates with uh, in the ridings. I'll be watching, you know, just I think we're all a little bit stunned after 40 days at how there was no not a defining issue. So what are Canadians actually voting for or are they voting against something? It's very unusual in this country that a, a government after its first term should possibly go down. But based on Nick's numbers, who knows? Like, this, And it's exciting that <laughs> British Columbia, to all those British Columbians <laughs> out there, we will, it, you will matter, you know? Yeah. We're going to be on the air uh, until 3 in the morning. <laughs> this will be great. And we're never going to go to sleep before that. All right, Laura, what are you watching for? Look, I think a lot of voters were feeling very undecided and very torn about this race. I did some traveling around the Toronto area. People didn't feel like there were any good choices out there. So I'm interested to see whether the two main parties' messaging, the Liberals and the Conservatives, in these dying days of the campaign, have actually moved voters, you know, in terms of the Conservatives pushing this idea of a Liberal NDP coalition and uh, taxes rising as a result of that, deficits rising. I wonder if that moves anyone to the Conservatives. And the Liberals' messaging of, you, you, of strategic voting, telling progressives that they have to choose the Liberals in order to, to right. prevent a Conservative government. So I wonder how much that has impacted voters who weren't feeling so sure. Was there, Nick, a turning point in this? Sometimes we look at the debates. If you were to look at this campaign, and there's been a lot of issues, mm. a lot of... Uh, was there any key moments, turning points, or are we just still Actually, yeah, actually, there was a turning point. The turning point were the big debates, the English and French debates, because those were platforms for Blanchette and Singh mm. in order to move the numbers. So both of those leaders came out of that campaign with their brand kind of much stronger than it was going in, and they were able to pick up support and kind of move the numbers. But beyond that, this campaign has been about none of the above. People have not been happy with either two of the front runners. I think for voters, they're going to look at the final choices in terms of risk, is Justin Trudeau a risky choice as prime minister? Is Andrew Scheer a risky choice? Because you know what? They've kicked, Canadians have seen the leaders, they've seen the platforms, they've seen the performance. I think it's going to just basically come down so, to risk. So Trudeau, in desperation, has to pull out his Charles de Gaulle strategy, right. which is, après moi le deluge. Right. If you don't pick me, you're going to get those terrible Tories destroying the country. So vote for me. Don't vote for the NDP. Don't vote for the Greens. Don't split <clears throat> the vote that's progressive. Isn't well, it fascinating, though, that the two winners in this tomorrow night might be 
Singh and Blanchette. I mean, yeah. the two party leaders who could never form government or cannot form government. Does form that it. stuff work, Nick, the fear? So we all know it's pull the, pull the old, when in doubt, pull this fire yeah. alarm for the Liberal strategic <laughs> vote. And for Andrew Scheer, it's, oh gosh, here comes the coalition, look out, they're going to be this lefty coalition. Does that stuff work? Yeah, it, does, it does work. It's fear and anger work in terms of getting the vote out. And uh, for the Conservatives, they're riding on anger against the Liberals. And for the Liberals, they're riding on anger against or fear against the Conservatives. And it's all about getting out the vote. You know, to Lisa's point, how much of an organization do the NDP have? It's going to be street by street, block by block, riding by riding. And uh, I think we're going to learn on Monday which of the two frontrunners has the best ground game because that could make the difference. I think another storyline to watch too is what happens here in Ontario and whether the Doug Ford factor yeah. does play into the campaign. I mean, the, the Liberals certainly want it to, and they've been pushing that messaging throughout the campaign. But Doug Ford has been largely silent. Um, you know, is what happened in, in his first year of government resonating with voters who are thinking about conservatives? And is it too much of a risky choice to go with a conservative federal government? And will there be the blame game? Are we going to see a, a Sheer versus Ford camp fight after this, uh, depending on what happens uh, on Monday? Uh, I think one of the other things to watch, and Lisa, we'll be chronicling this, is this strange obsession with minority governments. Mm. I know people interchange the word coalition, which is a much more technical term. It means two parties actually get together. Which and we've share never really had we've for a hundred right. years or So something. why, how do you think that's playing out? Because Canadians have experience with minority governments mm. and they haven't been so bad. I know, I was going to say, you know, we've all got pretty short memories. I was on those campaigns when we were having election after election after election from 2004 to 2010. Um, so I don't know. It's not a big scary word. It really is We've lived through them before. Sometimes they're actually a good thing. Yeah. Uh, in this case, though, what I found really interesting, anecdotally, just from the Canadians I've spoken to, is they are looking at the candidates in their own writings. They're, they're not voting based on even a party or a leader, but who in their own writing matters or said something that resonated with them. And I always find that's really interesting when people are looking inside their own When the leaders, the leaders, and we're in a leadership world now, may become a liability. Craig? Well, uh, the, the big problem the Liberals have, of course, is so much of what their strategy depended on was a collapse of the NDP hmm. and picking up a lot of votes <laughs> yeah. in Quebec. None of that's happening for them, and that has to be what their biggest problem is tomorrow night. All right, I'm not going to put these guys on the spot, but I can put you on the spot. <laughs> Sure. All right, what are we going to see tomorrow night? Like, where are we now? I know subject to change and asterisks and a silo full of salt, but where are we now? Well, you know, it's a dead heat in terms of the popular support, but when you crunch out the distribution, the Liberals have an advantage in terms of the number of seats that they can win, but they're short of a majority today. So uh, the Conservatives, they have these massive advantages in the West, 20, 30 points. It's just wasted votes when it comes to converting to seats. Yeah, there you go. Vote efficiency. All right. As Lisa says, uh, get your coffee. This is going to be unbelievable. We need wine tomorrow yeah, night. Yeah, wine, anything. <laughs> Put whatever you want in your wine, cup. Water. Craig, Laura, Lisa, <laughs> and Nick, thanks all of you for watching. Uh, Lisa, Nick, Craig, and I will be back here tomorrow night for CTV's big election night special. Anchored, of course, by the great Lisa Laflamme. <laughs> Our coverage of election 2019 starts at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, online, and on all of our CTV. TV channels. We will bring you the stories, the results, and the perspectives you need to know, and we will all see you back at Question Period in seven days, but hang on. We'll see you back tomorrow night. Go vote.